Thank you for supporting our projects. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee, check out our Patreon channel. The guys and gals at gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching gunwebsites.com. Whenever that started playing, the dog woke up, so Smeggy's voice wakes up that fucking just FYI. It's 11.59 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Unfortunately, these patches are sold out. If we had a new robot to sew more, we could have them in stock again. Head over to Indiegogo and participate in our campaign. Our goal is to get the 15-color embroidery machine robot from Owl and Anchor. We're going to buy their machine, learn how to use it, set it up, and go back to building custom patches and creating new designs. Here in Tucson. Please share the project. We have just over a week. Thanks for watching. All right, there's actually just over a couple of hours only left on the campaign. There's another link to it. Thanks to DJ to dropping out that other link as well. So uh, I'll put that over to the side there. But what we're going to be talking about tonight is the uh, fairly recent. Oh, sorry, I guess I should say thanks, everybody, for uh, welcome to our Daily Gun Show. Uh, we come to you live every weeknight. It took me a minute to get back, bring that 8-track up and shove it into the slot. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns for about an hour. Ideally, we talk about guns for longer than that. So if you're interested in seeing this show get longer and uh, be a longer format show, then... Uh, Take a look at the bottom of the screen. We have a thank you to our Patreons, the people that subscribe to our uh, projects, our websites and our social stuff, and then, of course, the videos and the podcasts and things like this. Uh, not to mention the products that we eventually make. Um, but thanks to the people that subscribe to our what we do. Uh, they buy us a cup of coffee each month. Some of them buy us lunch, and that accumulates, pays a bunch of the bills and allows us to do what we do. We could definitely use more people over there. If we think about it this way, if we had a thousand people on our Patreon dropping just five bucks on us, you know, a cup of coffee each month, that would cost them 60 bucks a year to do it. And it would give us enough resources to really kick this thing into gear, as you can imagine. So we really do appreciate the power of crowdfunding. As I mentioned, we've got the uh, crowdfunding project ending here uh, in just a few hours. And uh, that'll be a, even though it won't have reached the goal, it'll be a fairly successful project. If you're a, a Second Amendment activist or advocate and you're out there thinking about something that could happen or something that should be done that might need some funding or even just awareness, uh, get with us. When we have an active campaign like this, we're happy to show people behind the scenes how the campaigns work on the platforms like Indiegogo or Kickstarter and uh, a lot of that applies to other platforms of course but some of the strategies and some of the operation of how the dashboards work and how you can see who's 
contributing and from where and that kind of stuff. Really interesting stuff. And while it's in play, if you're interested in checking that out, uh, let me know. Still got a well, you won't have much more time for this one anymore. But uh, if you're look, interested in looking under the hood after the project's over, uh, let me know. We have a lot of power in crowdfunding, and uh, that's why we don't have to have a lot of ads. We can talk about nerdy stuff like this for real and invite people in who are legit. We sent out quite a few links tonight. Of course, our show is at midnight Eastern, and that's too late for most people who you know have to get up early, I guess. And uh, But we value the people that are up overnight, the people that are resetting the places, rebuilding everything, cleaning everything, delivering everything, the people that are unappreciated by the daytime folks. So we like to do this show in the middle of the night, and we do value the people that are here joining us at night. So uh, we've got quite a few people joining in. Uh, I didn't really introduce Maggie yet today. So thanks, Maggie, for joining us, one of our co-hosts. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I like nerding out about all this kind of stuff. Well, you're our official co-host, so yeah, you're welcome anytime. I just don't throw the link out every single day. But uh, thanks for jumping in. Like I said, I did something the link out to a bunch of people, about 20 people tonight. So I figured this was an interesting topic, and we have talked about it before. And I'll throw it out occasionally to people who may not normally jump in, just in case they happen to be up overnight for some reason. That being said, Kyle's out there. First one to say, hey, welcome. Then uh, I think I put a bunch of these out here. New York Outcast is out there from the East Coast. Got Woods out here from the West Coast and DJ in between. So if anybody else is out there, you're not letting us know. So we wouldn't know if you're out there or not. We're going to be taking a look at the, oh, there's Roy, welcome. And that looks like everybody. So we have a pretty narrow cast tonight, just going out to a few friends. If you're listening to this in the future though, feel free to say hello, leave us some comments, uh, links, uh, uh, suggestions or things that we might be missing, interpretations or uh, things, we, facets we might be missing in this whole thing. All right, so what we're talking about tonight is something that we talked about last week in one of the lost episodes, and uh, it's worth re-addressing or re-hashing, uh, and it is a fairly recent report from the ATF about the crime guns that have been recovered and traced inside the United States. So they do another report like this that's outside the United States. It's a whole different discussion. This discussion though is of accumulation of data from 2017 through 2021. And we'll get into the details of it here. And I'll let Smikey talk about it here and uh then we'll dig in and anybody who wants to say hey feel free go ahead okay yeah so anything to say i should say um yeah i don't know i mean i i kind of want to just dig in a little bit but one thing to note i was just looking at it as far as like the the numbers um oh crap i said up here a second ago but basically, you know, it's like 1 million, blah, 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 whatever, 1 million, you know, 922,000. Just so to keep in perspective, that's about 384,000 traces per year, like average. And there's some charts in there that show that it's been going up. And 
I don't know, the report, the way they write it, it makes it seem like, oh, the traces are going up because, like, there's more crime or something. But I would suspect it's more, they're just tracing more things. Like, maybe some in the past, they'd recover a firearm. And again, we can kind of dig into this, but a lot of this stuff comes from not, like, a gun crime, specifically, like, somebody shot someone or someone armed robbery or whatever. A lot of these traces come from person got caught and then happened to have a gun with them. Or they got caught doing something else, and there happened to be a gun in the home. And so they went ahead and traced it. Um, so those, maybe in the past, they just wouldn't automatically trace them, and now they do. So I think it makes sense that the numbers are going up. All right. <clears throat> so I got to open up a document here, because that's what I was afraid of, that I'm not going to be able to. I can put it in the side chat, and it's useless. Um, some people are satisfied with just putting stuff in the side chat. It seems like you're doing something. You do go through the efforts, but it's a lot of treading water because you're not going to get any result from put, typing stuff in the side chat. There's nothing you can just copy and paste out of there and use it anywhere. That being said, I'm going to go copy and paste all this stuff and use it somewhere else. So um, I've been posting a lot of blurbs and bullet points, I guess, and I guess uh, I'll just grab those as I grab them. But um, what you just said, it were a couple of things. And the first one I typed in here was what guns were even traced in the first place? Like what instigated a trace, right? Right. And if I remember correctly, didn't we have to get that data from a separate Excel spreadsheet? I remember you showing it was like, 10 links yeah. deep until you could actually find it. I know it was tough to find and it wasn't even necessarily the right thing. Uh, data was on a, no, well, definitely elsewhere. I'm gonna just say elsewhere. Uh, we had found a spreadsheet with current data and I do remember the, the number one reason for trace was possession of a firearm, which that doesn't mean a crime, you know, was actively happening. That was, you know, a stop and frisk kind of thing. And then they happened to have a gun on them and then they traced it. Was and it I or remember, was it suicide or something like that? Or no, that was way down. That was way down. No, low. I remember us being surprised yeah. by it because the number was only like 3000 or something like that. I don't again off the top of my head and we speculated that it's probably someone rolls up in that situation and they go well yeah that makes sense you know we already know that the dude owned it or something we don't need to trace it because it doesn't matter where it came from you know something like that so i remember that one being low i think it was like the third or fourth thing down on the list was the first like actual crime with a gun like an armed robbery or a assault or something like that the first few were possession and drug charges. And there was a third one that was like something like maybe prohibited person or something like that. But and then that, there was that information was definitely eye-opening. I remember that. There was something else you just brought up there too, though, that now I'm feeling like as I was opening it, you were, as I was opening up this file or creating this file, you were saying another topic do you remember the two the last couple of things you had brought up 
um, I guess just where they were traced and then uh, oh that the the number of traces went up year over year but I don't think that, that necessarily indicates that like there's more crime or anything it's just I think they're tracing oh, yeah, no. more often yeah and then uh, for that I was gonna say because I always go back to this that's the same I think it's the same concept so it's the number of traces go up and you were saying that that is maybe because they're adding new stipulations or new requirements or they decided just a campaign like yeah, so it's the probably new is, protocol why are they going up like is it new procedure protocol or is it uh actual more crime or maybe a new factor, like the new characterization or something. So even though the procedure might've already been there, now all of a sudden, if it's a 3D printed gun, it's a trace, you know, something like that, where new uh, new reasons, new procedure and new reasons to trace, or is it more crime? Okay, so that's a couple of things. Now I got this thing, Word document set up. You may not be able to hear it, but there's a little tiny dog snoring. Next um, I've got this Word document set up so that I can start to take some bullet points as we go along here and format them a little bit. And uh, just so that we're getting something accomplished, I'll put this over on the blog uh, when we're all done to uh, have something to refer to or for reference for somebody who might think this is a uh, there's definitely things in here you can use in conversations or debates with people there's from what I remember I should also did we already mention that we did this show already and then it got turned off so uh, we're kind of uh, going through this for a second time so we've kind of had a, a run through of it already a rehearsal of it It's like he's not saying anything or he's saying stuff while he's muted, but either way, we got dead air. There's a lot of the links out there, and if people want to jump in, they got links to join, they can do that. Otherwise, don't have to. We'll uh, attempt to scroll down and see some of these things. G23 is saying definitely more crime because of the state of the country. Uh, I don't know about all that, possibly. Uh, when, yeah. they, when they have the 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 stranglehold on what people decide it's people don't decide what to find on the news the news is fed so when they decide what to feed then they can make anything look like anything they can make the biggest thing look tiny they can make the tiniest thing look big they can make the most medium thing look extreme and the most extreme thing seem normal am i crazy or is that with the concern of a lot of people if that's your concern and you believe that that's a potential, then be skeptical about any absolutes you're suggested to, you know, that are suggested to you. Like, be skeptical. Think about your real life. How often do you go out there and see these extremes? The extremes are there. I'm not denying the, the things that are happening, but the frequency and the, the, the what's the word? Not, it's not reach, but like the, you know, how big of situations these things are. Are being used right these are elements in a in a narrative 
But anyhow, I don't necessarily yeah, also, if, agree with that because I don't see that. I, I understand that's the narrative that's being sold, but I am I don't I, I I challenge it. But anyway, go ahead. Well, the other thing, even if you like, if you scroll down on your screen just a tiny bit, that very first chart shows the total number of traces from 2017 to 2021, and it's like it's going up each year. And if I'm not mistaken, the gun crime stuff or there's the crime in general those numbers those were actually on their way down until 2020 when it spiked up so those don't like if we were to pull in you know whatever the fbi crime stats and all that stuff and look at it that chart would have been going down where the traces were still going up those at least those first three years so maybe the last two make sense but those first three crime was on its way down and yet there were more traces year over year um, and they won't, well, we don't know. I still haven't gone in to read this. There's what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be talking about some of the bullet points. There's no table of contents. If we take a quick look, since we're familiar with this, I'll give you a quick rundown at the middle of the screen. We're looking at a, a 55 page document. And as I, I'm going to click the, my scroll wheel and then pull my, my mouse down. And that creates like a automated scroll like a, you know, like a movie film strip version of this thing. And as you see the 55 pages scroll by, you'll get an idea of how much words there are, how many paragraphs there are versus the charts and the graphs and things. It's mostly charts and graphs and they are designed with deliberate intention to convey meaning even though most of the charts and graphs that I've had a chance to actually focus on are portraying nothing. They're portraying nothing, but they're, uh, if you're familiar with how you can zoom in on a graph to make it look like a dramatic sweep, or you can zoom out and use large increments and make even a dramatic sweep look less dramatic. That's what they're playing games with here. Towards the end here, they do a lot of these comparisons, which are essentially red herrings, in my opinion. They're very specific data that's useless and more of an indication of how wasteful the bureaucracy is to have compiled all this uh, for the very few things that would actually ever need it, unless there's some massive debate out there that I'm missing that this was designed to, to address. And then you can see the end of it is just a bunch of weird charts or whatever. Uh, but if you'll notice as I scroll back up and I'm just gonna zip down, it's nothing but weird charts at the bottom that someone could probably and try to interpret. And then the last is literally footnotes. So if we jump up to the top, there's no table of contents at all. So you have no idea what we're actually looking into here. You have to scroll through the entire 55 pages and look at these bullet points or these headers uh, in an unformatted non-PDF, right? This is just a Word document or a web-based document here. So this is not even like something you can jump through. At least there's pagination. It tells you what, it's one page one of one of 55, page two of 55. But aside from that, there's nothing at the top of the page to give you any kind of consistency. If you were to print this and it fell on the ground, you'd only know what order the pages came in. You wouldn't, if you picked a random page out of it, you wouldn't get any kind of information. So it's a really poorly written piece of document if it's supposed to be archival I don't think it's following any kind of procedure so I'm not sure what's the point of it other than I found somebody talking about it and that's what we're looking at so that's to give people an idea 
of what we're looking at here is not necessarily easy to decipher or easy to interpret data. That's why we're spending the now additional time just trying to do that. Um, mainly because there's all kinds of things that we found in here, which is official government reports of government funded research to determine all these different criteria about firearms that are based on the traces of guns in crime. And as Smeggy said, often the crime is possessing a firearm in a place where you're not supposed to possess a firearm. So their only crime is the possession of the firearm. So now that firearm becomes a crime gun because it's possessed somewhere that they weren't supposed to have the gun or something, you know, on, oh. the, on the spectrum all the way up to murder or something. Right, and that's, I was just gonna jump in, was that the, the top two was possession, which you're right, could be having it somewhere you're not supposed to, or a person who's not supposed to have it. Um, I don't think they necessarily specified if it was like, you know, felon in possession or just possession. I don't remember if that was broken out. And then the second biggest one was, again, something else going on. So like they, they bust a, a drug ring and there happens to be a gun sitting on the table, that type of thing. It doesn't mean the gun was ever used in a crime. And in fact, it could have even been legally purchased and they do a trace and it comes back like, oh, that guy actually is the person who bought it. But because they're selling drugs and they're bad guys and therefore the gun becomes a bad gun is how they look at it. And that's so I'm, I'm very skeptical on the word like crime gun because other crimes can happen, which can turn law abiding regular guns into crime guns. All right, so now we're going to dig into it. What we're looking at again is this, uh, I guess I could pin this. Do I have this thing open? I'm gonna go back to the top of this and I'll find this comment and I will pin this comment. If you're interested in checking this out and you're live right now over on the main channel, because we simulcast on two channels. So over on the main channel, you'll find the uh, link to this pinned. It's also in the description of the video. So no matter where you are listening to this in any time, future or present, uh, feel free to click on the link. And as long as the ATF leaves it there, we've got the, uh, the, the page that we're looking at, the 55-page document linked. And that's the address of it there. So this first thing was pretty much what Smeggy was talking about, that uh, what you say the average was like 360 or something, 360,000 traces each year. So that's like sort of this first chart that uh, we see in that uh, they choose 500,000. And this is what an example of how they decide to make this chart look whatever curve or whatever kind of dramatic curve they want. This is from zero to 500,000 on the left. And the range is from 300,000 to 460,000. If they would have started this thing at 300,000 and went to 500,000, this would have been a very dramatic growth, right? That would have been a much more dramatic looking chart. They chose to go from zero to 300,000, which each of them have in common. And I would say scientifically, a lot of people would say that's unnecessary and waste in ink or try and, you know what I'm saying? They're, I don't know how to do the scientific analysis or the statistical analysis on why they chose this chart. Do you have any insight on that? But to me, that's an example of you know, if they, like I say, if they would have chose just this, I can't get a good box around it, but you know, this top region of the chart, it would have looked a lot different 
then including all of this common data down here. But anyway, what do you think? Is that, am I picking corner, am I picking it fringes here or is this uh, a thing? And if it is a thing, I, what are they trying to prove? Yeah, I don't know. Cause I, I feel like they would want to like what you suggested starting at the 300, like that's what they would want to make it seem like, oh my goodness, look at this huge problem. So I frankly, I could be wrong, but I think they just picked the scale that made it fit on the screen note decently. Well, I hear you, but if they wanted it to fit on the screen, then why draw these blue lines? You know, like just draw the data. They could have gone from one to a million. You know, I don't know what the, where the tradition or where the, you know, where you normally would, uh, where the general rule is on creating a chart. But anyway, um, the next one is privately made firearms. And I'm missing stuff here. We can't hit everything. It's 55 pages. If we'd spent 10 minutes on everything, it would take us 500 minutes, well, right? So take too long. Go ahead. And quite frankly, I mean, a lot of this stuff, like, did you need to know that California is 12% of the traces, Texas is 9%, New Hampshire's 0.1, like Rhode Island's 0.1, like, that kind of, yeah, they broke it all down by state, and then there's thing on cities and all this stuff. And yes, I'm actually now wasting time talking about it, but my point being is that kind of makes sense. Like the, the states with the most people end up having the most numbers, and the smallest little states have the least. So it's probably yeah. not correlated to anything other than the total number. Now, if that was per capita, like honestly, I didn't see a single per capita number in here, which you would think if you're trying to you know, prove something or trying to link something together, you'd want to see, oh man, this place only has five people, but we ended up tracing 20 guns. This might be the problem. Like that would actually stand out if you did it that way, but they did it. They just did total number and the most of the most. Same when we get into the stuff on caliber and, and manufacturers and all the other stuff. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but you're going to yeah, see that. Yeah, but that's that another, I was, I was also the most common ones are going to have the most numbers. It doesn't mean anything in my opinion. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to, I mean, you're not off topic because that's what I was trying to show also is that these, these charts I think are either intentionally or unintentionally set up to display the curves, you know, at some rate or whatever that's called, you know, some to make them look more dramatic or less dramatic. And I don't know what that's called, but there is some, you know, there's a whole, I remember there was, that, that's a whole What's the word? It's like a whole study of statistics, right? Or at least that element of statistics where people will diagnose or whatever that is, like what the, why you chose a chart. Anyhow, I would think that would be somebody who knows about that. That would be interesting if you know about that stuff to dig in. You know that one guy? There's been a couple of people actually now that I think about it. You're one of them. But uh, over the years, there's been like data nerds that'll dig into the gun uh, data that's out there and you know that's where i'm wondering if somebody who's you know deciphers or under you know deals with data for a living might know a way to to explain this better or give us some insight as to why they're doing this maybe what they're trying to hide or what they're i mean sometimes it's kind of obvious but you know. um I say this a general rule of thumb if you see like total numbers it's because 
if they did it by percentage, it wouldn't seem very much. Like if you're trying to make something seem important and there's not very many of them, you just do total numbers. And if you do percentages like, oh, an increase of 45% year over year, well, that could go from two, you know, to three. And that's a 50% increase. You know, like the, the total number didn't change that much, but the percentage seems like a lot. So that's just a general rule of thumb when you see total numbers versus percentages. And you can kind of guess what their agenda is. They're trying to make it seem bigger or make it seem smaller. Next, uh, we're going to be passing by the number of guns traced by who owned them or something. I think they were pacing or we're going to trade. scroll right past that one. And what states have that highest percentage of that? Again, we'll say right. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump, but this part right here where it's talking out, basically they only found an owner for 80%. How is that on that screen? Oh, it's at the bottom of page two, tied to purchaser. Um, in 2017, they determined the purchaser for 77%, and then it, it went up to 80% as of 2021. So I find that interesting that even when they do the trace and they go through all the old FFL stuff and everything, they don't even they don't even find the person who bought it. And that's what page three is breaking down on the reasons why they couldn't identify who bought it. Whether being the people like Phil, actually, it was I'm sorry, it was on page five. They break it down it, the police the incomplete form like they didn't fill out all this stuff. Right. Uh, the FFL had missing records. The gun was pre 1968 obliterated serial number. Or the, the last one is traced to a government entity or law enforcement, which was 1.3%. Well, okay, so now we are talking about this one. But um, this one is, well, we're going to, there's another part of here that I also blew past, but, you know, this is part of that where uh, when, when you buy a gun, you're the purchaser of it, of course. And then once you've owned it for any length of time and then sell it, the person who buys it next isn't the original purchaser. So what they're saying is like, you're now just a possessor of it, I guess, or if there even is, if, if there even is a technical word. So what this is, is how many times did the trace go back and find that the gun was the possession of the person who bought it in the first place? And they're saying 70 something percent no. of the time, almost 80%. I, I don't believe that's what that's showing. You're saying it's the other way? I'm saying that's basically these numbers are how many times the trace like worked that they actually got an answer to who originally bought this. Oh, so it's not so much. It was the same person as much as how often the trace worked. Correct. That's that's further down. They talk about with the purchaser and the possessor. Okay. Then the I, same was, or different. I was conflating those two. So yeah, that basically that's where I was thinking that there was a similar chart that breaks it down a little bit differently. So Essentially, this one then is how often was a trace complete? And they're saying that 75% of the time it was complete at the beginning. And then recently it's 80% of the time. So something like 20 to 25% of the time they can't complete a trace. And then they're saying what states that's in. And then they go, and that's what Smeggy was talking about this chart here. Why are the 25% of the time, why can't they complete a trace? And what this is saying is incomplete and invalid 
firearm information. So that means that the firearm didn't have a serial number, like an old ass uh, gun or something that just doesn't have a serial number, I, like some kind of gun. I'm sorry, I don't think so. I think that that it's the firearm information provided, which means the the police agency didn't fill out the form correctly that they sent to the ATF. I said it's, it's an incomplete or invalid firearm information, right? Provided by whatever supplying this request. Yeah, and then provided by the law after. enforcement to the submitted to. So basically, the police station did not, they gave invalid firearm information provided by the law enforcement submitted the request. So they did their job wrong. The cops did. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So like now, they wrote down there's a, there's a, a well here. This is what I was saying is there's a whole other one for that. Yes. Pre-68 and too old to trace is a whole separate one. Okay. So then this incomplete is yeah, literally um well, I don't know why it says 7% when it's obviously more than that, but it's more like 25%. Why are they saying 7% here? That's nice. So they're suggesting this is 7% of the number of com of complete of all of of all traces complete, the 1 million or whatever. This is only 7%. Isn't that handy? Because in reality it's 25% of the ones that they couldn't complete. So a full quarter of them are because of they didn't, well, and who knows what all that is. It's actually 31.3%, just for the record. Okay. So 31% of the times the cops wrote down, like, the That's model way into the weeds. This number. is ineffective. Now we've just gone, we've done what they wanted. So essentially, we're looking at page six of a 55-page document. We've already gone into the weeds on something so specific and minor and useless that it's going to obliterate the parts where it destroys this. Literally, this data will show that the gun show loophole is bullshit that uh well we've got about eight different things that we're going to discover in here that are useless including uh waiting periods so instead of starting off with anything like that um they've they've uh started off with garbage garbage stats they definitely didn't again there's no table of contents they just start in with useless facets of the of the situation in order in my opinion in order to make it just immediately useless to everybody now they get into privately made firearms and that's the first thing i had starred here uh, so this is since 2017 to 2021 is the most recent so that's this that's the time frame we're dealing with in 2017, there was 1,000 traces on a privately made firearm. And in 2021, it went up to 20,000 traces. Is that how you're reading that? Yeah. So this is the number that are recovered and submitted to ATF for tracing. So that has nothing to do with the amount actually recovered in crime because this is just the number of them that they decide to trace. Um, so they say the dramatic rise in these reflects both criminal use and enhanced awareness that the process that the ATF will, will trace requests for these things. So in other words, they've changed the procedures again for 
the privately made firearms. And then because they've changed the procedure, people are doing the procedure or, you know, are aware of the procedure or whatever. They've either created or enhanced the procedure and requested people use the procedure. So now the procedure is recording things, which it hadn't done in the past. So I don't know if there's anything in here that talks about, you know, any kind of suggestion about, um, you know, do they su suspect anything that there used to be as many and they just now started counting them? I mean, that, that's uh, kind of what it sounds like where they're like, you know, law enforcement being aware. In 2021, the ATF trained more than 1,700 law enforcement personnel with 14 presentations across the country. So that means they had 14 presentations with more than 100 people at each presentation. So if they had 14 presentations, I guess it's possible that law enforcement traveled. So how much law enforcement traveled to get to those 14 presentations? And why did these presentations have to happen in locations across the country in 2021? Why wasn't that a decently made video presentation or, you know, internet presentation? That makes no sense. How much did that cost? Are we going to see any kind of focus on how much they're spending on stuff like this? But anyhow, so that was privately made firearms. The idea is that in 2017, there was 1,600 or 1,600, and now all of a sudden there's 19,000. That's the chart that is on the, the, the below up there. Um, so that was the second thing I think I had started. Then the next thing is crime gun traces by FFL type. So we're gonna skim past, uh, I guess just one thing there. Um, how the thing was reported lost by the FFL. Was it a theft, a loss, or uh, an interstate version of one of those? So I'm assuming a loss is like a fire, and then a theft is a theft, but I'm not sure. Maybe a loss is like I lost it, you know, got lost in an accident or something. But then you get into the types of FFLs and essentially um, in this one, uh, you get, I don't know if you, how much of this people remember. They will get into, I think in here they'll talk about gun shows. So for now, I'll just keep going. Then they get into the person's age and gender. So if we've got this chart here that's on the screen, on the left is younger people and on the right is older people. And the, the height of the bar is the number of people who are arrested with the crime gun, I guess, or the purchaser age. Oh my gosh, it's the person, it's the age of the person who purchased the gun at the time the gun was purchased in the crime. So looks like most people that bought guns that have been traced were amazing, 21, 22, and so forth. So this is telling you there's a very targeted group or age group at least 
And then this next thing, when it talks about gender, will show that it's uh, almost entirely uh, males somewhere in here. I don't know, Smeggy's, you can say stuff, you know, the like lecture or whatever here, but. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was trying to find, I was scrolling down to find the, the gender part. Well, you're so right. It's then, like 80%, 78% male to. Oh, that's on the screen now. And they, and they keep doing like different bar graphs, like they're getting paid more to do different bar graphs all the time. So now you get a line and dot graph, whatever this is called, a segment graph or something that is super useless when you're looking at this. I can understand a circle once in a while. Like, okay, I can get a circle. All right, I can get this, I guess, even though this is sending way too much data across percentage of population versus the percentage of purchasers in age groups. And you know what I mean? It's a lot of data for a stupid little chart like this. And then they give you this thing and you've got to now figure out way too, I don't know. Like I say, they're not really doing this for presentation, I guess, as much as archive. And to visualize some of the data that's represented here but i, I have uh, to say just looking through this it, it reminds me of that that cliche saying of like if you can't impress them with brilliance dazzle them with bullshit like that's mm -hmm. that's what this reminds me of this uh, someone's getting paid to hey put this report together have it on my desk by friday and they're looking busy and so they just start putting stuff and oh i wonder if we compare it to if it was yellow like what if it was purple it doesn't mean anything. So exactly. Like how many of these guns had the original grips on them and how many of them had aftermarket grips put on them? Like somebody went and like, oh, let's study that. Like, oh, let's talk to grip manufacturers and then talk to end users and survey. You know what I mean? Come on. So this next one I thought is pretty interesting. Again, this is the Daily Gun Show. Between 2017 and 2021, I'm reading directly from the ATF report here. Between 17 and 21, only 3% of the 1,400,000 and something crime guns traced to a purchaser were acquired from FFLs at a gun show. 3% of crime guns came from a gun show. It's important to recognize that this figure does not represent the total percentage of recovered crime guns that were sold at a gun show as private citizens and unlicensed dealers. We have an unlicensed dealer patch that we'll be able to start selling out again. Sell firearms at gun show venues. National data, however, are not available on unregulated firearms transfers at gun shows. So essentially, gun shows are not an issue, but if only we got rid of the gun show loophole, even though there's no issue, and then we'd know that there's no issue because then we'd have universal background checks and then people wouldn't be able to purchase property without the awareness of the okay of the government. All right, so that's an important paragraph right there. Go ahead. Right below it too is just, I don't know, it's, manipulation at its finest they're talking you're about talking about this bar graph well that's what i was about to lead up well, that's what you're talking about no just above it like that last the second paragraph but it's like the number of crime guns blah blah, blah ffl increased by 14 percent you know from 7600 to 8600 like again percentage it seems like a lot 
And then they just casually toss in there, oh, but then it decreased by 5% in 2020. Yeah, it's most likely due to local re- re- restrictions on gun shows, like, and because of COVID and stuff. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, they, they're like, oh, it went up big time. This must be important. And then it goes down and they're like, oh, no, but there's still a problem. It's because we made laws about it with restrictions and stuff. That's the only reason it went down. Mm-hmm. And they've got to also add in here, overall, the number of traced crime guns acquired from FFLs at gun shows increased by 19%. So let's take a look at this bullshit-ass chart here, and I'll get rid of my comment here so you can see the whole thing. So here's 10,000 and here's zero. And then here they decided to go 10,000 with increments of 1,000. Well, let's see, how could else could they have done this? We had this thing start at zero and do increments of like 2,500. And, you know, now it would actually show as like, you know, more of a stepping thing or start with 5,000 and go to 10. You know, I mean, there's like other ways that they could show this, but uh, what they're trying, I think what they're trying to make this look like is these are all big numbers. When we know that altogether this is 3% of the 1 million, right? 1,482,000 right? 1,482,000. And they're putting this bar graph to represent 7,000, 8,000, 8,000. We're talking one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, less than 60,000 altogether out of 1.4 million, almost 1.5 million. This is bullshit at their finest, making these giant blue lines like, oh, look at how many crime guns from gun shows. Oh my goodness. This is and it's also 2.3%. <laughs> they huh? didn't even do their math right. Because I don't know that that number, the one million four hundred, isn't it something different up top? But whatever. I just saying. Yeah, one point nine is what they said at the top part. Oh yeah. Well, because yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's probably a reason they probably excluded some number of them or something other or something. But anyway, yeah, but either way, I'm just saying two point three three. It's still a very small number. So then, and we're, this next one was traces associated with multiples. So in this, in since, oh, I don't remember anymore. It's a, you had, if you sell more than one gun at a time to people, uh, you'd have to do out a multiple. And if you live in a border state, if you sell more than a couple of, or is it just the border state? So let's see here. I'll just read it here. So yeah, the ATF actually, if nothing else from this, this form, this 55 pages, they do some pretty decent summaries of definitions of things. So here we go. This is a multiple sale. If you don't know, there's a multiple sale transaction form filled out by FFLs when you buy guns. Here's how it lays out. FFLs are required, and I'm reading from the form directly. FFLs are required to complete and submit a report of multiple sales or other dispositions like transfers, whether the licensee sells or otherwise transfers at one time or during any five consecutive business days, two or more pistols or revolvers or any combination of pistols and revolvers totaling two or more to an unlicensed person. So what that meant is that if you ever buy more than two guns from an FFL within a five day period, they're filling out a multiple on you. And that's allegedly because all gun owners are guilty until the government decides you're not of straw purchasing. So the best way that they can decide to monitor that 
is to waste the FFL's time to spend money on these printouts of these things and, and the, the forced encouragement of electronic forms because of the onerous paperwork. And then uh, the time invested by the bureaucracy to track all that, to either, if nothing else, archive it and monitor it and maintain it. And every time there's an upgrade in the server, that means there's a whole bunch of these records that have to be migrated over. And you don't have any one even know how much that costs to ever ensure the government to migrate stuff every time they decide to move servers over. So uh, just a massive amount of work for these stupid multiples would, let's see what the multiples result in. Oh, I guess let me finish reading this thing. So FFLs are required to do these multiples. Additionally, any FFLs located in Arizona, California, New Mexico, and Texas, of course, the, Mexi the border states with the international Mexican border of Mexico, we are required to complete and submit a multiple sales report when any unlicensed person acquires at any time during five business days two or more semi-automatic rifles larger than 22. Anything other than 22s, if you buy two of them in five days in the, in the border states, you're also getting a multiple. Has that done anything? And that's been around for a long time. Has that done anything to affect uh, guns going to Mexico? Question mark? You know, that's a whole other thing, I guess. <laughs> I think but that anyway. first line right there answers it. Slightly exactly. less than 9%. Okay, so in the same way that we said that this thing gets rid of the gun show or the universal background checks and the gun show loophole, because this is essentially gets rid of universal background checks also. Um, but anyway, it gets rid of the, the, back, uh, the uh, gun show loophole. This one gets rid of um, the multiple sales concern. So after so many years and after this conclusion from 2017 to 2021, again, like Smeggy just said, slightly less than 9% uh, of the guns came from multiples and a good chunk of them did come from this last year because it almost doubled since 2017. Uh, and those happened in the last couple of years that, that trend had increased quite a bit. All right, so that was, like I say, one of the things I didn't even count here. Then there's this summary, and that might be interesting to check out. And then we get to this characteristics. So this was the what they considered to be, I guess, the data. And now they're going to start deciphering the data, right? So characteristics of these traced guns. So now they know how many of them. Now they're going to start filtering it out and sorting it so we can we can really sink our teeth into some data here. So we talked about this in the other show, made a kind of a quiz out of it, but uh, they're saying that of the 1 million, nine, so almost, you know, let's say 2 million traced crime guns in that time frame, 68% of them were pistols, 12% were rifles, 11% revolvers, 7% shotguns. So that's uh, an element of this that could be interesting, especially when they're going to suggest the AR-15 is the problem or a scourge. So uh, rifles are 12% of traced firearms.
Let me see if anybody's saying anything. A lot of people have links, so I guess somebody's jumping in, except uh, Smeggy, he's muted over there. Sorry, I was just typing this in for the chat, but um, I just wanted to, I did end up reading that summary. In their very own summary, it says, very small proportions of recovered and traced crime guns were acquired from an FFL at a gun show or sold to a purchaser as part of a multi-sale transaction. So like in their own little summary where they're like, these are the numbers, blah, blah, blah. They made it a point to say it's not a problem. So and that'll be ignored or dismissed by their anti side. <laughs> but that's, you know, we can say now, hey, according to this ATF document, and here's the link to the ATF website where this document lists on page 16 of the 55 page document, it'll, it'll summarize their data to say very little of these guns have anything to do with um well all the stuff we just talked about yeah and i mean yeah. i think that's important right like that's the same reason i like to use the um you know what's that the fbi crime stat one or whatever like i use that as a source if we're talking about whatever assault or robbery or da, 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 whatever um, to correlate with the states that have the most gun laws and that doesn't do anything. And we all know the, the type of stuff, but I always use like, this is according to these guys. Like these are the ones that want to ban all the guns anyways. So it's not me twisting. I'm not getting it from some con conspiracy website. This is like the government's own study. They're saying it. So I think that's a very, I will screenshot that and put it as my desktop background for when people, you know, try and accuse me of twisting the data. It's like, no, this comes from the ATF study itself. So if we look at the uh, numbers over time, the percentage of traced crime guns, so specifically not just all guns in crime, but all the guns they traced that were involved in crime. So not all the guns they traced, but all the traced guns that were involved in crime. So there's this, there's differentiations there, right? Because they'll trace guns that have nothing to do with anything. And then there's guns that are used in crime that never get traced. So we're looking at a subset of all guns used in crime for sure. A big chunk of it, I'm sure. But, you know, that's the set that we have, you know, the data is covering. So just to make that clarification, you know, this isn't everything. This is just what the data has shined a flashlight at. You know, they shine a flashlight out there into the darkness. This is what they discover and wrote down. Not suggesting this is everything they could have shined a flashlight at. Or if they would have shined a floodlight, we wouldn't have had better data, right? And sometimes they decide to shove the flashlight up or down or left or right because they know what would happen if they turned on a floodlight or if they shined it just a little bit over from where they did. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but when you look at pistol, it goes from 62% of the guns in crime traced guns, 62, 63, 65 to 71 to 74. So 20 and 21 definitely have an adjustment in the numbers and it goes away from, it skews away from, it trends away from long guns, rifles. So they can't, you know, it's difficult to say the AR-15 is a problem when crime guns are going towards pistols. Um, getting in, go ahead. I was going to say on that chart there with the states, that's the one that I thought was kind of interesting, where they do the top 
like for pistols, like Ohio, Missouri, Georgia, Wisconsin, Illinois, revolvers, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, California, rifles, Montana, Hawaii, Vermont, da, 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 all those. You can almost like, you could have guessed that as being the states that have rosters are the highest percentage of the revolvers, even though it's still only 17%, 15%. But like, of no, those, that's those, that's bullshit also, because that, okay, go ahead, I'll let you finish, but I'll tell you. Well, I was just going to say then to, to get with the rifles and shotguns, those are all states that you think more about hunting, right? Like Montana and South Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska, I guess like the Vermont, Maine, that type of stuff. But it just makes me want, like, I don't know. They're, they're, my brain clicked on that. Like there's something there, but I'd like to hear. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I just blew right past it. So what we're looking at here is they've just said there are these guns that, like I just mentioned, there's the crime guns and then there's the guns they trace. And then there's the guns in crime that they trace. And that's the only ones we're looking at, that subset, right? And then they're saying of that, 62% of those are pistol, 13% are rifle, 14% are revolver, and 10% or 8% or something are shotguns. And that changes over time. And that's what this graph is looking at. But another way to interpret that same data is to say, what states are the most pistols, revolvers, rifles, or shotguns used, not used, but traced for crime guns? And like Smeggy's saying, it's actually really interesting. When you look at the number of states, let's see, if you look at the states that have the highest percentage of traced crime guns with pistols, it goes Ohio, Missouri, Georgia, Wisconsin, Illinois. All right. So what is Ohio doing in there? Missouri, St. Louis, Georgia, I don't know, Atlanta, I guess, Wisconsin. I don't know. Why the hell Wisconsin would be in there? And Illinois has Chicago. So that makes sense. So that's pistols. But now let's flip it to revolvers. And like Smeggy was saying, this makes sense. In a, in a state that's going to have the most crime revolvers, New Jersey, number one, New York, number two, Connecticut, number three, number four is Rhode Island, and number five is California. So, okay, so then it's like, all right, that kind of makes, you, you would think, okay, they can't have pistols there, so their crime guns are revolvers. Okay, other states, you can have any guns you want, so why would there be any crime revolvers making up, a, you know, they wouldn't, you know, so that makes sense. Rifles turns into Montana, Hawaii, Vermont, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So, of course, Hawaii makes no sense with the others, right? Okay, those are states with hunting, and why wouldn't you have hunting rifles making up a bigger part of crime traces, right? And then shotguns. Well, Vermont, Maryland, Maine, North Dakota, and Nebraska. So, you know, where they slaughter birds. So, uh... But then what you're also talking about is the percentages, and that's where it's complete and utter bullshit. Because the way they set this thing up, percentage of the traced crime guns, so not all guns used in crime, not all guns traced, but that subset, guns that are traced from crime, right? And then they said, how many were those of those were there? One point whatever nine, right? 1.9 million? Well, then they're going to say 17% of those revolvers or 17% were revolvers. Well, okay, because nobody uses revolvers in crime hardly. But 
that's what I'm getting at. Is that 17% of 1.9 million? This is seven, 76% of 1.9 million, right? Like this is, I think it's trying to put this together, at least it, though it, it can be perceived that if you just looked at this without paying much attention to it, that pistols are like this bigger problem than revolvers are. But this is still the crime guns that, you know, the crimes that are happening in these states are just happening with revolvers. It's like the crimes, these are the states with the yep. most crimes, right? I guess I'm confused. I don't, I'm not seeing how these all add up. So what are those percentages of? Because you can't have 76, 17, 32, and 14. Am I crazy? That's not 100? No, no, they don't add up. They're saying that's New Jersey was 17%. The, the revolvers in New oh, Jersey were seventeen percent of the nine, nineteen or the nine one point nine million traced crime guns, right? That's what I think it's saying. This was seventeen percent of the trace. I know because then these would all have to add up to a hundred, also. Right. I I think it's of the revolvers seventeen point six were in New Jersey. Of the rifles, like 32% were Montana, not of the total. Okay. I think they and like then, broke down. I don't know. They don't really give you, they don't show the math. So those, they might as well just draw shapes and letters. I mean, those numbers mean nothing to me. So again, I think this is a waste time to make it seem like something and then to accomplish not much political, what, you know, political, uh, what do you call it when a magician waves a cloth around while they're fiddling with something underneath the table? So you don't look at their other hand, you know, it's like, it's, it's the bureaucratic version of that. Then we get into the calibers of traced crime guns. So again, not all the guns that are crime guns and not all the traced guns, but the traced crime guns. And of course, nine millimeter number one, crime caliber of all crime calibers. Oh, I guess here's the other thing I was going to try to bring up over here. And I don't know if now I'm, we're all over the place. This definitely is over an hour and it's not anything near uh, a summary of this stuff. It's just a messy rant, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm too much of a nerd. No, there's no way to present this. This is designed to be difficult to present or understand or, you know, relay. Right. But uh, I guess I was going to say some of these are crimes of possession. Some of these are crimes of suicide. Some of these are crimes of murder. Some of these are crimes of, I don't know, the, had too much ammo and hunting or whatever, right? Didn't we see some of that in there also? Or that was one of our concerns. So when they say crime guns, is it you are in possession of the gun, therefore it's a crime gun? You were just standing there minding your business, but you got to stop and frisk. They didn't like to look at your face. Decided you got a gun or found that you got a gun. Now it's a crime gun and they trace it and you're a stat. You weren't a criminal. No crime got committed except that you're standing there and got stopped and frisked with a, with a gun. And I don't know where that falls in here because at least we didn't see anything. Not that we read right. the whole thing. Correct. That's not in this report. That was in that nerdy Excel that we uncovered. And we, we interpret, we, we assumed a lot of that. I don't think we don't like I don't think there was anything in here that said, oh, by the way, let's clarify. 
you know, blah, blah, blah. We're not including this or we are including that. Like none of that happened. We were just kind of dissecting these things. Right. Let's yeah, not, that, that was my hypothesis a, when we were looking at the report. But I believe we did confirm that when we looked up the that Excel sheet where the vast majority was possession, uh, you know, whatever, all the other like drugs were present, like that type of stuff, which again, that one, okay, a crime happened, but then there also happened to be a gun. It doesn't mean you shot anybody. Like murder was down at like 2% or something. It was way down the list. Now, I'm not saying that possession of nine millimeter is a crime, right? Yet. I'm not saying that it should be yet. I'm just saying that in this chart from the official government chart, and I'm going to reiterate this official government chart. And if you want to look this up, just go type into there to the internet table CCG 05 and you'll find it. And it's officially top 10 calibers of traced pistols. And we're talking about crime calibers here. This is crime calibers. Number one crime caliber. I don't even have to say it because y'all know what it is. 49.5%. I've never seen a percent that high ever before in my life. And look at how big this number is, 647. I'm not one to fly off the handle and get all upset about a number, but do you see how big that number is? Look at how a decent caliber, like 45, doesn't even hit the 10%. You only bring out that caliber if you need to end a world war. I'm just saying. All right, let's get back into the data here. Just saying it's in black and white straight from the government so no way to dispute it let's say somebody's going to have a caliber debate number one crime caliber manufacturer this is important here we go this is important manufacturer that isn't a waste of time of course let's not forget that we blew past like they decided what's the caliber of revolvers what's the caliber of rifles what's the caliber of shotguns like oh amazing guess what 12 gauge is most of the shotguns 20 gauge is almost all the rest of them so i mean i guess technically they would have gotten in trouble if they didn't include that but just seems like such a such an obvious thing manufacturer of traced guns i'll tell i just put in headings because by the time i was getting to this 19 pages down i was i had already way too many i knew we would be way more than an hour into this by now so anything you want to add about manufacture that that point that this point of it 19 pages in um i just want you to use the same logic you used on nine millimeters second ago for the chart that's right there and if you can make that make sense in your own brain then okay what are you talking about? This chart of top five manufacturers of trace pistols? Mm -hmm. If nine millimeter was bad for being the top of the list, on the caliber. it was not just bad. It was evil. And, and I'm just saying you're making a decision if you choose that one based on this government chart. Now, you can look it up right here in black and white table CCG-09 if you don't believe me. This one's fake. This one is obviously jimmied is, I think, the technical word. And what they've done is they've slanted the numbers. You can see right here in this percentage sign, there's a, an obvious <laughs> slant. Okay. And, and this is just basically Glocks are innocent here. They're <laughs> the most perfect of guns, right? And there's a lot of them. And here's the problem. If there's a lot of them, they're going to get caught up in the, the, you know, like the, what do they say? The friendly fire. They're the friendly ones. 
the anti-gunners are firing at. Yeah, you got to really give them a break and just understand that this part is fake news, but the rest of it, black and white, straight from the government, you got to believe it. All right, let's move on. Uh, hopefully that cleared it up for everybody. Okay. All right, so important manufacturers, super important. But really what that does is just indicate that the 80 percenters and all that stuff, BS. Uh, the idea that Saturday Night Specials or that inexpensive guns, BS. It's all about the most common is the most common and go deal with it, right? And even with, oh, you know what? We did blow past some important stuff here uh, because, of course, we were distracted by the metric. But if the nine millimeter in the pistols is the most difficult or the most traced or whatever, the most evil, let's just say, let's just sum it up with the most evil. And then comes 40, which is fake. And then comes 380, which is a decent caliber. It shouldn't be in this list. And then 45. Have you ever seen an AR? And I mean, I guess there are evil ARs made in nine millimeters, but nobody bothers to make ARs in these decent calibers. And although there are ARs in 22s in pistols, we're talking now we're down underneath 5%. And by the time you get to 7.62 or 5.56, you're down to less than 1%. So as much as we're kidding around there, this indicates that AR pistols through caliber, you know, using the characteristic of caliber, can't be an issue, literally cannot be an issue from 2017 to 2021, when they become as popular as they possibly could be with the back and forth the ATF has done with the braces. So that's important. And then when you get to rifles, in case you want to misunderstand or misconstrue what an AR pistol is or an AK pistol, 29% um, of all rifles are 22s of traced prime rifles. Uh, then you get to 5.56 and 7.62, and you drop down to 13%. So it's an indicate, indic, indicative that rifles are, are wide-spectrum calibers. While most of them are 22s, you see a bigger spectrum in the, like in the 15 to 9% to 15% range here, and then in that under 5% range. Where in some of these others, you know, by the time you get to 5%, you're still in the top five. I don't know if that makes, you know, see what I'm saying? Like there's, there's more involved with rifles than uh, just those three calibers. And then you get into uh, revolvers and, well, it doesn't really help anything. And shotguns doesn't matter either. But I think that's important to show that uh, I think the fact that there's no pistols in 5.56 hardly or 7.62 means that the uh, braced pistols aren't an issue and that AR pistols themselves just can't be an issue. Yeah, I do agree with that. And then the, the manufacturer stuff, I don't, I don't really care about. It, it'd kind of be like, who gets more flat tires like Fords or Chevys? Well, there's a bunch of F-150s and there's a bunch of Chevy trucks out there. Like, Whichever sold more that year probably had more flat tires. Oh, DJ saying the uh, PDF is pinned at the top also. So this, I think this one is pinned up top. All right, the next one is characteristics. So after manufacturers, you get to 
kind of combinations. Well, now what if it's a Glock 9 millimeter versus a Glock 40? And this is, again, just misdirection, red herrings, whatever. So types and calibers have traced personally made firearms. So mostly pistols, uh, some rifles, and then there's all these machine guns. And that we were talking about, somehow they got 4,000 machine guns out there. We know that they're not registered NFA items. So those are those switches uh, that are being uh, released. Yeah, that one tripped me up the somebody. first time. I remember going, that's a crazy number. But you're right, it's, it switches slash, like, whatever. The little links or whatever, the lightning links and things. Well, I haven't seen too many of those go around, but I definitely have seen the switches like being marketed. But again, mm -hmm. we don't know because they don't. If they did, it, nobody's read this. At least I don't know anybody who's actually read it. We're just summarizing it based off the charts and some of these like par single paragraphs that we are reading. Like, yeah. out of I mean, I I read it pretty good the first time when oh, other okay. people were talking, and it just doesn't say. Like, it, don't don't take our lack of clarity as we didn't do a good enough job reading the thing because they didn't do a good enough job presenting what we want to know. They presented what they want to show us, which is mostly well, that's a great point. stupid charts that don't mean anything. And while I didn't read it, it's because it's impossible to read. It's not a narrative thing. It's just a bunch of data. So what I've done is skim to the parts that I care about and read what's in front and behind it. But I've read the sections that are interesting and I've ignored sections. So I just in putting that caveat out there that I'm definitely not a lawyer and haven't read the whole thing. And I'm giving you some like expert. I can have like a photographic memory version of this thing. Uh, and I didn't get told exactly which ones I should look at, but they were the most important or the, the most uh, interesting or anything. I'm just skimming it and reading the pieces I think are appropriate. So anyway, we're a freaking podcast, not a lawyer show. Characteristics of the crime guns, pistols were the most dominant type of firearms domestically manufactured, imported, and transferred by licensed dealers in this time period. Pistols represented nearly 70% of the crime guns traced. Percentage of pistols recovered in crime increased from 62% to 75%. And that's in the standard pistol calibers, uh, it says were the most frequent traced. So again, that rules out AR pistols or AK pistols being an issue because they're not traced as crime guns. Unless they're going to suggest that there's so many of them and they don't trace any of them, makes no sense. So, right, are you following me? And when you look at the top brands, they're just, except for Smith & Wesson, none of these brands make AKs. Glock doesn't, Taurus doesn't, and Springfield doesn't. Ruger makes one or two, and Smith & Wesson makes some. But uh, So there's two reasons there uh, why any concern about AR pistols or AK pistols is kind of negated. Purchasers and possessors of traced crime guns. And I just j jumped down. I'm definitely missing chunks. Uh, and I don't even know where this part is. It's it's when we get to some of these circle graphs down here somewhere. But if these. we can just touch on this one real quick. I don't, we don't necessarily need to dig in all this time to crime. But I 
do want to point out that they say in there, like from the time it was purchased to the time it got traced, it's an average of like three years. And that's just, that was the big one for me when we were looking through this of the 10 day waiting period. When in it's like, these things aren't showing up until three years later. You know, more than half of them are four years or more. 53% are four years or greater. So it's just, that kills the whole waiting period thing in my eyes. But then other than that, we can skip a lot on the time. No, no, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one I would have missed then. And that's the uh, the 10-day waiting period. I'm just writing this down in my notes. Yeah, but then the, the next bunch of pages, they this one, they really go all out on percentages. And in this city, the time to crime is 2.6. In this city, it's 5.2. Like, dude, they break down way too much on that. And we don't need to get in the weeds. No, but somebody like John Lott, who is paying attention to this, should be able to look at this and, and correlate or whatever the words are yeah. to, you know, like with an overlay. Like, oh, look, you're complaining about this. Well, guess what's over here and what's the, you know, where the real issue is. I'm going to take a second and uh, refresh. We're still at 62 backers over at the uh, uh, sewing machine project. So the goal was 7,000. I don't think it's realistic to assume anybody's going to come in in the last two hours and reach it to uh, appreciate, you know, a bunch more, considering there's not too many large programs on this late at night that could even drive that kind of traffic. Uh, but uh, if you do want to get over there and get in on it while it's still getting in on it, feel free. There will be a machine getting bought, if not more. And... Uh, you know, it just won't be the big one. And then, uh, you know, we've still got patches going out. So if you're interested in getting in on that, uh, those people, those 62 people who are in on it will be much appreciated for allowing us to uh, do something to replace that YouTube monetization. It turns out they don't pay you when they demonetize you. They don't pay you the last month. Like normally they pay you a month ahead. They just keep that and put it somewhere else. I got to go find it. So I didn't get any kind of direct deposit this month. Turned out to be an interesting kick in the nuts financially. Um, not big, but it's all my bills that come up this time of the month. And uh, anyway, uh, so thanks to the people that participated in the project over there. Uh, it'll allow me to create a, or get some new revenue stream hopefully coming in. Anyway, so uh, we got uh, purchasers and possessors. That was that chart down here. That was yeah, page um, twenty-six. Yeah. The okay. So the red one is the purchaser and the possessor are different. So the the trace did nothing, and then twenty. The gray section here is the purchasers known, but the possessor is unknown. Okay, so in other words, they know who bought the gun, but they don't know where the gun came from. They just have this gun, and they know who it came from, right? But they don't know how it got to where it is. That's 30%. A third of all guns, they know who bought the gun, but they don't know where it came from, like how it got to where it is. This red section is 
they don't know where the gun came from and they don't know you know they, they know who had it but they don't know where it came from and this blue section is they know who it is and it's the same person who bought it so at 12 percent of the time the background check is like yeah this is the person and that's who bought it 30 percent of the time it goes oh yeah this is who bought it but that ain't this guy and we don't know who you know how this guy got it but it's a different person and then 60 something percent of the time it doesn't help them at all so basically 100 percent of the time it doesn't help them at all because like for that 12 percent if they caught the person and, and they know that they possessed it and they know they bought it well okay you didn't need to know that because like if he's in trouble for something else he's already in trouble and then the ones where they're different like that's could be anything right just okay someone bought it and then somehow it got to somebody else and then you found somebody else who had it and that's the bad guy well it doesn't mean the person who bought it the first time did anything wrong so okay that doesn't do anything and then the uh, the gray is you know who bought it but you just found it without a person so you don't even know like what how it got there like someone just dumped it so you don't know what connected those dots either so all three of those colors you doesn't doesn't help you to know who bought it originally and you know what else it doesn't tell you is how useful that result was so now they found it with this many people this this blue number is oh yeah we know this person bought the gun and then that's the gun well how often did that matter so big deal you got this number 12 percent of the time that you figure out who'd had it and they still got it and how and how did that help you ever like so what right is it obligatory is it just to fill in the form to fill in the form or is it really accomplishing anything and then this 30 percent of the time when they figure out who bought it but then they don't know how it got here or you know where it came from then so what and what is that helping right and we know that this one is useless so if we know that this that 60 percent of the time it's useless and we suspect that another 12 percent of the time it's useless this is the one that we're even debating and like you said i think it indicates that it's actually all useless but you know again 10-day waiting period um or ffl or universal background check I guess that's more of this one, universal background check. Obliterated serial numbers, and this isn't necessarily the next one. Just the next one in my skim that I decided to click on again today, but there's relationships between the purchaser and the possessor and the age of the purchaser and the possessor. There's probably going to be something in here about the states in which there are the possessors and purchasers. Yeah, but the they're also trying to relate that to time to crime. Which, right. These are all together to time to crime, I suppose you're right. Which is all, we're still talking like three-year average. Some less of them than, are more than three years. Very few yeah. are less than three years, right? So, yeah, you, I blew through all that stuff. Even this with the obliterated serial number, they're still trying to relate it in comparison to time to crime, which I don't think is a useful metric. And that's like half this document. Yeah, and that might be part of what they're trying to do because uh, essentially there's a ton of guns. There's as many guns as there are cars. So that's like saying how many cars that get flat tires are brand new cars versus a car that's five years old versus a car that's 25 years old. 
right? Well, you'd figure there's more cars that are 25 years old because there just are more of them. So they're going to probably get more flat tires if they're being driven. Now, they may not be being driven as much, so they might not get flat tires as much, and that might be a factor. But I think that's essentially what we're talking about here. Like, Or they could say, how many, how often, you know, when they find getaway cars, how often are they the model year of the current year? How often are they five years, up to five years old? And how often are they up to 10 years old? And since most people aren't going to get a getaway car that's 20 years old, right? Then, you know, how often are they that brand new one? And how often are they one within five years? Well, honestly, who gives a shit? Like, what is that even going to help you? Like, okay, now you're what going to help protect new cars more just in case they get used as a getaway car? Like, some of this data is pointless and stupid. And they just collect it to collect it, I think. Or at least some of the ways they use it is like that. Like, how often are convertibles used for getaway cars? Oh, 17% of the time? Now we know. Like, okay, what did that help you with? Again, are you going to like lock up convertibles more because of that 17% of the time that you figured out they're used in getaway, as getaway cars? Well, completely bored. Wait, get, getting with that, I think with the obliterated serial numbers, what? It was 2% they were saying. Yeah, well, it gets weird because it's on page thirty-two, it says two percent. Yeah, right. But it's it's so uh, basically they're saying that what a definition of messing with a serial number is, kind of. They're saying that uh, it can be an attempt to evade detection or disrupt trace, and then it can also be like an accident, and then it can be other things. And we're talking 2%, oh yeah, right here, 2% as uh, of the 2 million. And we can see that it hasn't hardly changed at all, even with whatever they're doing with PMFs or calling personally made firearms now. But again, these aren't all crime guns or all guns used in crime. And these are not all guns that they've traced. These are all the crime guns that they've traced, which is a smaller subset of both of those. I mean, it's a lot of guns, but you know, it isn't, they can't know everything. They just know the ones they've dealt with. All right. And then we get uh, the domestic tracing conclusion. And I didn't think if we just had some time at the end, if there was, uh, you know, a reason to dig into this last part, I think. Wait, is that what it was? Um, domestic tracing. I think instead of reading through every one of these, I just went down to this domestic tracing conclusion because it effectively kind of summarizes, as you can imagine, everything that was in this last portion here. But, oh man, there's just so much in here. So this is a mess, and that's another hour and a half talking about it. But I didn't do anything accidentally during the middle of this show, so we can leave this one up. All right, so Smeggy's running around doing something. 
Um, the domestic tracing one is gone. What guns were traced? I already hit that one. CNT is designs as saying, why is it almost like criminals don't walk into F? What, it's almost like criminals don't walk into FFLs to get their guns. Almost like they buy them stolen or steal them themselves. Man, I was going to say something about this one and. Yep, I don't remember. I had a point to that one. I was going to be like, oh, that's a good segment or a good thing to talk about, but I can't remember what it was. And then it's DJ also said, as if criminals wait three years before they get them anyways. Oh, no, that gets, that's what I was going to say. Um, and I don't know if this agrees with what they're saying or not, but I just wanted to throw out there again that when they're saying gun, it's not all guns and crime, and it's not all traced guns. It's just the guns from crimes that they traced. And that is a, well, we know that, again, we looked. And some of that is just the crime of possession. You're just standing there or driving there or sitting there. And somebody came up and stopped in Frisia. And they said, oh, you got a gun? And guns are illegal here. Therefore, this is an illegal gun. Therefore, it's a crime gun. We're tracing it. And if that's the case, is that a crime? Or is that just somebody who had a gun in the wrong place and now it's a crime so that i guess the reason i'm bringing that up so often is that most of the time you hear crime gun and i think they use that term to imply violence right to imply uh some kind of altercation or some kind of you know violent um situation that the gun became involved in or maybe even brandishing or threatening when often and in case and in fact quite a few times in the thing that we looked up it's the fact that you just have the gun in the wrong place wrong time wrong setting wrong physical location something like that or just other reasons and you can't you're not supposed to have a gun then and then that becomes a gun crime crime gun and it's like again well there was no crime you just weren't supposed to have the gun there now all of a sudden it's a gun crime versus violence and i'll quit trying to reiterate that right or the one that i brought up a lot of another crime happened and they like raided your house or whatever and then happened to have guns there right yeah exactly when they went through the yeah all right but I, or sometimes I, it's like in the trunk like you're driving around doing something criminal or not you do something, you get stopped, they go, okay, let's open the trunk. Oh, look at all these crime guns. Let's start tracing them. There's 15 crime gun traces back there for one person sleeping in their car, traveling across country, and they stopped in the wrong parking lot to, to rest you know, while traveling, and they didn't want to be right on the highway, get uh, pirated or something. You know, If you park right on the highway, then somebody can rob you and get right back on the highway and haul ass. So some people, when they want to sleep along the highway, will not just stop at some rest area, which could potentially be dangerous, but instead drive off into a town, maybe find a restaurant or someplace like a hotel or someplace they feel safe, truck stop, right, gas station or something where they can park out of the way, but still be close to people. And in a situation like that, if you follow, well, let's just say, let's say you're in a situation like that where you pull off the main road, you pull into what you'd consider to be a safe place to sleep and you get some shut-eye because you're traveling or because uh, whatever the circumstances are, it's not safe for you to operate a vehicle in the condition you're in based on being tired. So you, you rest. 
And then during that time, police decide to stop and go, hey, what are you doing here? Challenge your ability to be, you know, trespassing or be on the premises or whatever it is you're at. And in part of that you know, interaction with you, they discover a bunch of firearms and they trace them. I don't know. Did they differentiate between just plain old trace guns because we're curious? Or do they go, oh, you're having an interaction with law enforcement, therefore these are all crime guns? I don't know if you remember seeing that in there, if I'm just making up you know, layers here, but I think that's another potential part of this thing. Where, in other words, these crime guns come from, quote unquote. And again, were those being used in a crime? No, they were just being transported from here to there. And because they were done during a investigation or whatever, then, you know, they show up on these lists. Yeah, I, I do have one more thing on this, the time to crime that they keep referring. And I just, I posted it in there, but I just wanted to read the quote real quick because I find it humorous. Their initial premise is correct, I think. Like, a short time to crime suggests that trace crime guns are rapidly diverted from lawful firearm commerce into criminal hands and represent a key indicator of firearm trafficking. Like, that's a decent premise. I agree with that. You would think that a trafficker would buy them legally and get rid of them as soon as possible. They then go on to say, oh, almost half of the trace crime guns were purchased and recovered within three years of their last known sale. So is their definition of short time three years? Because <laughs> that's not my definition. If I was a trafficker, I think you'd want to unload it within a week, like not three years later. Well, I guess if I jump back over to where is the main time to crime up a little bit, I guess. The thing that talks about how many days. Uh I think that that's probably just where they get good spikes at three days. You know, they didn't pick five days. They didn't pick two days. They didn't pick 10 days because the spike probably didn't look cool enough. Like they didn't gather enough. Do you know where that part is? I mean, the, the part I just read was on page 35 in the summary. But okay, I'm, I'm not sure where the initial part. And page 24, this part I got on the screen, percentage of trace crime guns by time to crime so they go this is all of them from 2017 to 21 50 percent like you're saying 50 percent are three years and over and they don't have numbers here but nine percent six percent nine percent twelve percent eight percent are the under three yeah like to be fair that 9.3 percent under three months that would at least would, in my opinion, like, okay, maybe something's going on there. Like, at least go look at that person if it's within three months. Now, that being said, we know plenty of people that buy a new gun and uh, two days later they decide they don't like it and they sell it to a pawn shop or something. Now, who knows where it goes? That might show up in one of these. Not saying that the initial person's a bad guy. But if well, they were just... straw purchasers, they would fall in that. I think that 9.3% there. 9% is close enough to 9.3. They're saying 9% is 137,000 uh, crime guns. And when we looked in that data the other day, how many suicides are there? So if you think 
how many suicides are being done by gun owners who appreciate guns and this maybe some you know it's hard to know i don't know the numbers on that but versus how many people go to the store buy something and act before you know what i mean they appreciate it and you understand it or own it for anyone and i don't know if that's uh the direct relationship but it could be some kind of indicator that uh you know if you're thinking about something you're new and you're buying this thing as a tool to, to that end then you're going to be in that case of under three months probably and i don't know this doesn't indicate by any means that under three months is any higher than anything because one year to two years is essentially the next highest one to three years and over and there's no rhyme or reason there. It doesn't make any sense with any of the recent history or any kind of cultural thing or any kind of anything other than, I don't even know why they would record this. I guess it's decent to record it just to understand or to be able to say, yep, nothing to see here. Like this isn't a factor. Now this is more than just waiting periods too though. This is, um, well, I guess I had to sit here and I'm getting tired, but I can't think uh, other things that it is, but it's more than just waiting periods because it's a longer time frame. Waiting periods are typically your, you got to wait 10 days or whatever to pick it up. Right. And that's, I guess that was my point on the whole thing of why waiting periods are stupid is because the, the hypothesis of waiting periods is somebody's very angry or they're upset or whatever. They go and they buy a gun and then they do something stupid like that day. So if there's a waiting period, they call them even, right? Like cool down periods or something like if we just make them wait, then they won't be mad anymore and they won't do something stupid after the fact by the time they get it. And that's their hypothesis. I would say this is proving that type of person doesn't exist. There's not a person that's like, I was going to go rob a bank, but I had to wait a couple of days and now I don't want to anymore. Yeah, you could ask criminals that kill people with something other than a gun. Like, did you think about killing somebody with a gun and then you couldn't? And then you went and got a shovel or a broom or a bat or whatever? You know, you could ask that kind of question. And if they decide to answer correctly, then you get some kind of. But that's yeah, one of those tough ones. You know, if just, the gun wasn't there, what would they choose something else or would they not? You know, like, how do you know? Would they decide not to be a criminal or would they be a criminal in a different way? Right. Or would they just be a criminal in two weeks also? Like that's, they could just think ahead a little bit. Well, but yeah, my, that's true. My other thing, I just want to toss out, and I'm sorry. This well, is I think that's track, not so but... much for, I think the waiting periods concept isn't so much for the gun owner. In fact, they usually go, oh, gun owners don't care because they already have guns or whatever. They can go shoot if they want. It's to stop somebody from like running in and going, let me buy a gun. Like they'd run in and go, let me buy a pack of cigarettes and then run out and then smoke those cigarettes around people and get them eventually, you know what I mean? Like bother. Like if you went in and could just grab something, you know, it's another perceived barrier to that, which is more of an education thing than anything else. You know, there's the awareness, the knowledge of the, that, can be done in lots of states. You can run in a lot of states, in almost every state, you can run up to somebody and say, let me buy a gun off you. 
And as long as everything's good to go, they can go, here's a gun. And you could buy a gun off them faster than I just said, let me buy a gun off you. Like, you know, if we lived in that world, you could do that. Most people aren't going to do that, but you can do that. But some people are convinced that if you let gun shops be that way, the world would be super violent. People would run into gun shops and without premeditation, I got the hiccups, without premeditation, you know, buy something, purchase something and go use it. And I think they think they're preventing that. But again, right. would they That's, not just run into the archery store or the you know hardware store or a you know ball bearing store? I got hiccups. It's killing me. I gotta drink some water. Right. Yeah. And that's I don't know. I have a lot of problems with the waiting period thing. And you kind of touched on one was that I like I like to do this. This is a freebie if you're ever arguing with an anti who's pro waiting periods. Just ask them, would you be okay with a law that excludes people who already own a gun? Because if that's the type of person you're trying to stop is the irrational, like, you know, hothead, like, oh, some dude just cut me off in traffic. I'm going to go buy a gun and find him and shoot him. Like, that's the hypothesis. So are you okay with excluding the people that already own one? Because they obviously, if they're bad guys, they can go do whatever they want. Almost all the time, they'll be like, they'll still say no. So that proves that the waiting periods is not even for like that crazy hothead who just got mad two seconds ago and wants to go do something stupid right away. They just want it for everybody. So that, that's a good kind of like Socratic method type thing to get them to come up with the idea that waiting periods are not solving the problem they think they're solving. Because we all know if that was happening, like G-Web said, in most places you could do that. And the numbers aren't there. It, there's no evidence that that happens. And you know, if it did happen, it'd be on the national news every night. Like dude gets cut off in traffic and buys a gun and tracks the guy down. Like it stole a parking spot at work and shot him 20 minutes later. Like that would show up everywhere if it happened. So, but it doesn't happen. But anyways, well, the other side of this is so uh, crime gun right? It's not all guns. It's not all guns used in crime. It's the guns traced that were used in crimes. So now how often is a gun used to defend or used to challenge and keep a, what do you call it, like an attacker at bay? And then law enforcement shows up after the fact to document and archive and pass out fines and stuff. And they start to look around and go, hey, wait a minute. You gave you held them at bay with what firearm? Oh, well, where'd this firearm come from? Let us run a run a trace on that. Is that a crime gun? And is that a trace? And is that a trace on the good guy's gun for some reason? And then is that showing up here as though, again, the implication that we had to trace this many guns from crime? Well, how many of those are justifiable uh, use of a firearm to defend life? I didn't see that in any of the charts where like that was pulled out or made a separate set heading. Smeggy's muted, so Bob's out there. People, Bob's guy started this show. I probably should have sent you a link on the 1500 episode, Bob. I was uh, busy on Friday and didn't even do a really good show. So I might do some kind of 1500 episode something or another here. I've got a couple of, well, I got this project ending today and I got another project that's uh, and uh, in the works that's taken time, but uh, 
You know, the odometer's clicking. We're on already on episode 1501. I don't know if Maggie was going to say anything to any of this. Uh, no, that was about it. I, I was just going through. I, I don't think there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on through the rest of these. I mean, if there's something you want to look at, I'll certainly no. comment along. But uh, I hit all my major points. Yeah, and I may have missed some, but the idea here was to just go through it again, and we did it in two hours. Holy moly. And, you know, I farted around a little bit there. We probably wasted a bit of time, but really, we're just hitting bullet points, and we were at two hours. This is a ground meat type of situation here where they're just putting so much stuff out there, and they're putting it in kind of no order at all, so it's really difficult. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, maybe. You know, you dump it all out. You know it's going to take some time to figure it all out, and they do that intentionally. They didn't have to deliver it like a puzzle, and if they did deliver it like a puzzle, for some reason, if they had to, they could have delivered it as a six-piece puzzle instead of a 60-piece puzzle, right? You know, it's complicated is one thing, but ultra-complicated. You know, I, I'm also still blown away. This is part three. I don't know if we've ever found part one and two and what that is, but I found, like, this I is found part, part five. I found part five, and that's crime guns recovered and traced outside the United States and its territories. And I got all into it, and I was like, wait a minute. And then I was like, dang it, I'm reading the wrong one. So I still haven't found part two or part whatever. And here's why. If you go to look at it, it's in ATF.gov, all right? Firearms, okay, because it's alcohol, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. So, okay, firearms, docs, okay, report, sure. NFCTA, so National Firearms something center for something, authority or something probably. Okay. Uh, oh, no, you know what this is? National Firearms Crime Trace something, a-holes. And then it says Volume 2, Part 3, Crime Guns Recovered and Traced, slash Download. So the only way to really find the next one is to know what it is and spell it right. You know, there's nothing here where I can just change like a A to a B or a 002 to a 003, 004. You know, like you can't. There's no obvious, if it's just said volume two, part three, you know, then I could go, oh, no problem. Let me just make it part four. It doesn't give you that option. And if you just try typing it, it's going to go to nothing. It's going to go, hey, what are you thinking around the ATF website for? So I'm not going to explore their website looking for their files, but I also tried searching crime guns and recovered and traced within the United States and its territories, the, the title of it, into just the plain old internet. Because sometimes, you know, I probably could find some more unique text. Every town, every town, public, med, ATF, the actual page, ATF, NBC, crime gun intelligence centers, whatever that is, Brady, New Jersey, New Jersey again. So, you know, in other words, I'm not finding like the ATF website that says here's page one or part two and part three and part four. So I know there are at least five parts. 
but I haven't seen any others. I haven't. I'm sure the first one has a table of contents. That's why this is missing it. Yeah, I have to say there, if you go just regular ATF and then go to like resources, data and statistics, and even that they pick and choose what you can even click on. Like, Well, I hate to call it quits because uh, I still have a couple hours left on that project over there, but I am, it's like somebody pulled the switch. I, I stopped drinking coffee, I don't know, a couple hours ago, and I'm definitely, that's kicking in. Um, so I'm going to end it here sooner than later because, uh, like I say, I'm, I'm definitely fading. So I want to first thanks everybody who's participating in what we do with the Patreon like the scroll says down at the bottom of the screen, those are people that contribute on a monthly basis. They're subscribing to what we do monthly. Most of them, it's a cup of coffee, five bucks or even less. A bunch, a couple of them, I shouldn't say, there's quite a few that are doing the lunch, and that's really paying a lot of the bills. So in other words, the $25, the $20, we've been doing this for a while, so we have a couple of old Patreon levels that you can't even click on anymore, but they're at like the $20 level or something. And uh, those people that are buying us lunch, buying us a cup of coffee, that adds up and it turns into enough funding for us to spend time each and every night for 1,501 episodes on this project. Let's just hang out. People like Bob, Smeggy, both co-hosts of the show and uh, others over the years. We've had quite a few co-hosts over the years. Uh, it's not slow. Well, we're going to slow down because I can only do so much, but uh, continue. No, no plans to stop doing the show. We'll attempt to focus on two-way as often as possible with then a focus on firearms and then potentially, you know, kind of a way to have a show for the industry if we can uh, spend that kind of time on it. Okay, so that's me talking to keep myself awake. I'm going to clip drop in links because I think I've just about linked it out everywhere. I got this set up so I can just hit save and that my notes are saved without having to do much more. And I'll let Smeggy uh, kind of wrap it up here with whatever he's got, and then we'll put a quick commercial out for the robot since there are still just two more hours left on it. And then uh, we'll be out of here. So take it away. Thanks again for jumping in, Smeggy. Got anything to plug? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Thanks. Um, I, honestly, I just wanted to thank you for doing this. I think this type of stuff is important. And even though, you know, we, Kind of talked around in circles a little bit and it's confusing and they do it on purpose and all that stuff um i think this is important skill to have the stuff that we did like maybe we made some mistakes if you guys caught something like let us know put in the comments of this video if you're watching after the fact uh, but also i want to encourage everyone out there to do this kind of stuff it, not just on this specific report but any of them like you can crunch your own data you don't have to rely on the news saying 17% increase over that. Pull the calculator out and go, wait a minute, 17% times 2.5 million times da, da, da. Like do the thing and figure out what they're actually talking about. Did they do the total number because it's a big number and it's scary? Or did they do the percentage because it's actually only, you know, five more from last year, but that ends up being a 20% increase. And we're talking about like five cases or, you know, whatever the thing is. So that's pretty much it. I just want to really encourage everyone to do this kind of stuff. Thanks for participating, you know, live with us. And then in the future, you know, do your own thing and hopefully other people will start doing this. And so again, back to G-Webs, like, thank you for doing this. I really enjoy this type of stuff. And 
it's given me a little breath of fresh air to be able to jump in and nerd out for a while. It looks like Baron found part four. All right, Don. So, but anyways, that, that that's all I got. Um, you know, if you want to follow me, I got Instagram, YouTube, whatever. I I do stuff every once in a while, but follow me and catch me live. It'll be fun. I'm trying to get more into this type of stuff. All right, <clears throat> and with that, I said I'll do a quick commercial for the store and for the uh, sewing machine, and we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, let's see, tomorrow is Tuesday, so that means the first thing we'll be doing when we wake up is getting with Clover. We're talking about websites, websites tomorrow and our gun channels coaching section where we uh, attempt to give, well, offer advice, some mansplaining, but some advice and some uh, coaching on content creation, different elements, different aspects of it. Uh, especially where it concerns guns and Second Amendment topics. Uh, we've been doing that now for a while, and uh, it's every Tuesday. So we've got that going on in the morning. I'll probably do something else midday. Barbecue has a show in the evening. Ghost usually has a show in the evening. Night Strike, if he's not doing something else, uh, we'll have hit or miss. Uh, I can't remember what time that starts, though. Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Shall not be in French. And then, uh, of course, we've got this show. I think Clover might have a show tomorrow, depending on the, I don't remember. He may have an interview tomorrow. He's doing his series of 22 interviews for season, for uh, the first part of his uh, 2023 season of interviews. And I can't think if I'm missing anything else. I feel like I'm kind of missing something else that's on a Tuesday. Powder Gold Auctions has an auction. A bunch of gun stuff, some interesting ammunition. So I might do something going live to kind of preview some of those things. I don't have anything over there, but I just noticed some interesting old-fashioned ammo over there. All right, well, with that. Toby for 2A Tuesday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I knew I was missing something. So uh, Cape Gunworks has the 2A Tuesday segment of the Grace Curley Show. That'll be at noon, my time. So... 2 o'clock Eastern? Yeah, 2A Tuesday. It's at 2 o'clock Eastern, and that's a 45-minute uh, rapid-fire uh, question-and-answer situation. So uh, Smeggy stole it from me yeah, last week when I had figured out exactly how many would be in there, and then Smeggy came along and jinxed it and stole it from me. I was prices right in. 21. The campaign officially says it has one hour left, so depending on where you're at, you have just moments to get in on the project. And thanks again to everyone who has participated in it. It's been fun to watch anybody who's doing uh, projects and wants to see you look under the hood, let me know. And uh, yeah, thanks again. What happened? Click this again.